Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm the 119th chapter, Psalm 119. We're going to study from there at this time. Let's join together for prayer. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we do love You and we thank You so much for the privilege to come into Your house, to join together our hearts and lives, to allow Your Spirit uh, to come and, and dwell amongst us and allow us to to hear your voice and and Father God help us to block out the things of this world the things that are encroaching upon us the cares and the concerns and the worries that fill our lives so often and cause us not to hear your message Lord help us to be focused on uh, what you would have us to hear what you would have us to know Lord we pray that as we leave this place may we not pick up those cares and concerns as we go but Lord that we would carry instead uh, your message your love your grace and fill our lives that our lives might be transformed and others might see jesus in us and that we might carry the message of christ into the world in jesus holy name we pray amen amen uh this passage of scripture is uh where we're picking up in our study of why we looked at uh why we uh, need to trust in God, and we looked at uh, why we need to spend time with God. And this week we're going to look at another question. Can you guess what it might be? Uh, uh, yes, it's going to deal with why again, uh, but we need to consider why we should study God's Word. And, and this passage of Scripture is uh, where we're going to look. The Bible is a book that is uh, that is owned by more people throughout, uh, at least throughout the United States uh, and possibly the world, more than any other single book in uh, the history of mankind. God's holy word is uh, more prevalent in uh, people's lives than any other book. But the problem is, is that a majority of people, though they may own the Bible, do they really know God's word? Let me share a few statistics about the unfortunate nature about the Bible. I remember as a young person that we would have this big... We had this one of those... uh, Somebody must have hit my family hard. Uh, First, they sold them a set of encyclopedias that I told you about the other week. And then somebody must have come around and sold them one of those big, huge, thick Bibles. Kind of like the one that sometimes sits here when we don't have uh, flowers, which uh, uh, I I appreciate uh, Miss Crystal for putting the flowers up here for us and arranging those. They're always so beautiful and everything. But that big Bible that sits out in the vestibule, we had one of those on our coffee table 
in the museum, I mean, not the museum, but the uh, family room. Uh, uh, you know, it's that place where you uh, almost expected mom to put up some uh, uh, felt ropes in, uh, to block it off. And we could, we could go to the edge, kind of like at, at, uh, when you go to see um, maybe a historical place where Abraham Lincoln was born uh, or lived or whatever. You sta- they let you to stand behind the roped off area. That's the area you can go, but you can only look in and see what it must be like to have lived in there. And uh, uh, my, my mom would let us walk in and, and walk through and see what it must be like to live in some people's homes, but we weren't allowed in there. And we had one of those big, I'm just kidding, uh, we had one of those big, huge Bibles, and it, that was where we took company whenever we had company over. We just didn't have company that often. And you had one of those, it, it was a lot of times it would be displayed open, but a lot of times it was displayed closed. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people that they have a Bible in their home, but that's how it is. It's one of those museum pieces. It's, a, it's something they put out. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. They put it out for everybody to see and to make it appear as though they're, oh, we're good, godly Christian people. We have a Bible in our home, and it sits on that table, and uh, they have to dust it ever so often because they don't ever pick it up, they don't ever open it, they don't ever read it. And here's some of the questions that was asked. Uh, uh, the the unfortunate thing about the fact that they don't read the Bible means that uh, a survey was taken and 82% Uh, has the idea that in God's Word it says God helps those who help themselves. Uh, And and unfortunately, I had some folks in uh, one of my churches that that whenever I'd come to them and talk to them about uh, doing benevolence, they would often say this quote. They'd say, well, don't you know it says God, uh, God helps those who help themselves. Unfortunately, that's nowhere in the Bible. God doesn't help those who help themselves. All throughout Scripture, there's countless descriptions of how God came to help when finally people realized they couldn't do it themselves. They had to trust in God. But unfortunately, there's 82% of the people in in, uh, the world believe that uh, it says in the Bible, God helps those who help themselves. 66% say there is no absolute truth 63% cannot name four of the Gospels. 58% can't name half or more of the Ten Commandments. 58% do not know uh, that Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. 52% of people do not know that the book of Jonah is in the Bible. 48% do not know that the book of Thomas is not in the Bible. 39% do not know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And 30% can't name half of the disciples. It reminds me of a Sunday school teacher that was teaching a class and uh, she was trying to help her students to understand and know the story uh, that they were going over that Sunday. And... Uh, she asked the students, who was it that came out unscathed from the lion's den? And the little boy raised his hand. He was just so thrilled that he had the answer. He raised his hand and he said, Tarzan! (laughs) No. 
we allow things in the world to have so much more precedent in our life than Scripture. And unfortunately, uh, so many people know more about what's happening in uh, some Instagram famous person's life than they know what happened in the life of Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, they can tell you all about the sports statistics of some athlete, but they can't tell you a single thing that God says in Scripture. And so I want us to look at Psalm 119. Now this is the uh, this Psalm, Psalm 119, is the longest chapter in the Bible. It is the and we'll start at verse one and go to the end. No, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, no, uh, Psalm 119 has uh, uh, quite a few verses. Look in your Bible. See who could tell me how many verses is in the in Psalm 119. It's a lot. 176. 176 verses. We'll read the first 10. Uh, no, we're going to read uh, Psalm one of, uh, 119, verse 105. So uh, you might have to go over a page from uh, the, the first of the, the chapter. But Psalm 119, verse 105, uh, tells us why we should study God's Word. Uh, uh, back up, if you will, just to uh, verse 103. It kind of sets the stage uh, uh, for, for this and why he's talking about this. Uh, in fact, if you look at the... Uh, if you have one of those Bibles that has kind of some funny words in the middle along the way... Uh, now, Psalm 119 was set up so that, uh, that there's... Uh, these words and and it says like uh, before the first verse it says Aleph and before verse 9 it says Bet and uh, before verse 17 it says Gimel those are the letters of the Hebrew alphabet and every verse every sentence uh, now it's not uh, we we added those numbers in later uh, in history but uh, every uh, sentence that is in that section started with that letter. So Aleph, uh, just think of um, every word started in that, se- in that section with like an A. Bet is like a B, so uh, every uh, sentence in that section started with, uh, the word started with the B. And uh, this is a type of, of uh, writing. And so uh, we kind of get down to... Uh, 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 looking at this and we forget sometimes that uh, the the chapter is grouped in in uh, uh, these uh, groups because of these letters but we forget that uh, a lot of times the 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 meaning of each verse is not necessarily always said in that group and so back up with me at verse uh, 97 it says oh how I love thy law it is my meditation all day long. And so what the psalmist here is saying is, is that he says, I love to think about your instruction in my life, God. You're... And when, when we think of the law, we think of the Ten Commandments. And, and, and when we, we get the misunderstanding of when a psalmist like this says, I love the law, oh, 
And, and we kind of think, man, this guy's a square. This guy's weird because he loves the Ten Commandments. No, that's not what he's saying. He says, I love the instruction that you give. Why does he love it? Why does he uh, want to meditate on it all the time? Why is it so important to think about the law? He says, uh, Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. So he's saying, I love the law because, hey, you uh, through the instruction of your uh, direction, your guidance in my life, it has helped me to overcome the enemies in my life. He says, I have more understanding than all of my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. He says, everything that I've studied helps me to be wise. He says, I understand more than the ancients because I have kept thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. And I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. So he says, look, the reason I love the, uh, your teachings, the reason I loved your instruction, he says, it's not because I enjoy being told, thou shalt not this and thou shalt not that. That's not what the law he's talking about. He says, you have molded my life and instructed me in such a way that I'm smarter than all of my teachers. I'm wiser than all the people that want to see my destruction. I'm better prepared and equipped to face all the issues in my life, all the problems that I'm going through. It's like I've already read the end of the book. I know what's going to happen. And because of your precepts and following them, I am finding that my life is so much better. And so he's saying, uh, God, I love your law. I love all these things. Look at verse 103. He says, I haven't departed from any of these things. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than the honey to my mouth. Though thy precept, uh, through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. And so here's the setting of why what he's about to say in verse 105. He's saying, look, everything that you've taught me has helped me so much. It, it's, it's like he says, I have a counselor in my life. I have a director in my life. I have you, God, because you are giving me direction. You are giving me instruction. You are encouraging me in the things that I have to do and the ways I have to go. And it's, it's better. Look, uh, if you had a relative in your life, let's say uh, you, you're just starting out. I had a friend that was like this. He, he went off to college and uh, he got married to his high school sweetheart right out after high school. So they were dealing with being newlyweds in college. And they really were having a struggle with it, and they were having a problem with it. And he was, uh, uh, they had to get an apartment uh, off campus, which our college wasn't really set up for married couples. It was set up for more for people living in dorms and things. And, and so uh, they kind of lived in this old, broken down house, and that was in a quote unquote apartment for married students and everything. But uh, they were living there uh, near the campus and in this broken down old house and uh, they didn't have a whole lot 
and uh, they, he was telling me that uh, he was getting ready to, uh, that he was looking at his, his checkbook, and I was lamenting over the fact that, that I had uh, to pay for the checks, I had to pay for an account, and as you do, uh, at least back then, I had to do that with uh, an account. And he was saying, no, I don't have to worry about any of that. I said, how in the world did you uh, uh, find a, an institution that would give you a free account, give you free checks, give you free banking, all these things for free? He said, well, I don't, he said, uh, but I do have an uncle that he gave me uh, $250 and he put it in the bank and he said don't touch any of that money he said but with that much money in the bank uh, the bank will give me a free account they don't charge for uh, the uh, account they don't charge for checks they don't charge for all these things he said and and I haven't made he said I, I don't have to worry about uh, don't ever have to worry about bouncing a check I just pretend like that money's not there and the psalmist here is kind of saying uh, equating uh, the law of God kind of like with a rich uncle or somebody who is his benefactor. He says, uh, God, through your word, you have made my life so easy and so simple because all I do is I listen to what you have to say and I follow it. I hear your commandments and I make it a part of my life. I listen to your word and I allow it to direct my life. And he said, because of that, nobody holds a candle to my life. No, None of my enemies are able to do anything against me. None of the people that are trying to uh, destroy my life are able to do it. My life is so sweet, it's better than honey. Look at verse 105. This is the verse all of us know. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He says, first of all, uh, we need to understand that God's Word, in our, and the reason why we need to study God's Word is, is because uh, God's Word directs us in our pathways. It directs us in how we should go. God's Word is a, like a road map for us. And he says, because your word has been so integral and part of my life, I'm able to, uh, to follow your pathway and to cause me to have a life that is so easy and so well uh, uh, prepared and followed out. Um, I, I remember as a little kid going to uh, uh, one of these uh, theme parks. I can't remember which one it was. It was probably uh, Carowinds. It, Carowinds was on the border of North Carolina and South Carolina. That was probably where it was, but it could have been somewhere else. Anyway, um, uh, one of the little rides that I loved to ride back then as a little, little boy was every little boy wants to be a race car driver. Arr, we want to get in that little race car and we, and we want to just sit there like this and go, arr, arr, like we're just going flying through the, uh, through the, the racetrack. Most times it's just one of those little things uh, that mama used to put. Remember those little rides that mama would put you on outside of the grocery store while she's uh, doing, doing the grocery shopping for the week and she'd give you three or four quarters and she'd say, put one in. And, and you'd put the quarter in and it would go like, like this 
That's all it did. But in the mind of a little boy, you were racing down the track at the Indianapolis 500. You were going like that and I could just remember holding on to the steering wheel like that and I was just going like crazy like this and and I was just imagining uh, going but when when I went to the, the theme park they didn't have where you just went like this you got into a car and you pushed on the pedal it had a pedal for you to push and you had a steering wheel that turned and it did something it made you turn but it, but in the they weren't stupid they knew little boys like me would get in that car and they'd go all over the place and so what they did was they put metal guards underneath the car and they put a like a railroad track through the middle of the track all the way around. And so it didn't matter how far this way or how far that way I would turn, those metal guards would always hit up against that, uh, that train rail and I, it would keep me on the path. It would keep me on the road. I could go like this and I'd, I'd still stay on the pathway. I'd go like this and it'd still keep me on the pathway. I would move a little bit this way and a little bit that way and it would feel like I was driving. And the trick was is to try and drive through without ever hitting that guardrail so that it felt like you were really driving the car. You could make it go faster. You could make it go slower. You could go around the curves and all this kind of stuff. And as long as you didn't hit that guardrail in your mind, you felt like you were a race car driver. And it made you feel so big. The psalmist here is saying, God, you gave me guardrails. You gave me bumpers so that no matter how I go through life, you keep me from going too far over. As long as I remember to follow your word and as long as I remember to to stay within your pathways, you make my path so smooth and so strong and so swift and my life is so sweet because it keeps me from running off the rails. It keeps me from running into the ditch. It keeps me from going through difficulties. He is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Not only does God direct us, He helps us to see where we're going. The image here is of someone walking through the darkness and walking through the light, uh, dark night, and they didn't have street lamps like we have now, and they didn't have uh, everything in the world lit up at night so you could basically live during the night like you do during the day. At night, it was night. And, in the, and unless you had a, a lamp and a way of, of using it, you didn't know where you were going. Kind of reminds me of when I was, I was in the Boy Scouts and one of the things that they did after, uh, uh, after camp at the Boy Scout camp each, uh, each year when we go up to Camp, uh, camp Grimes. That was the Boy Scout camp up in the mountains. We'd stay up there and work on merit badges and we'd uh, swim in the lake and we'd uh, learn canoeing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was a wonderful time. You stayed in a, a big tent on a big pallet and, and they had like army cots there so you didn't have to sleep on the, floor, on the ground and, and all that kind of thing. One of the things they did at the end was have 
had a, a, a fire council and they would have this big, uh, huge bonfire and they'd invite the parents to come up uh, and uh, they would be there to take you home. Um, but you would, uh, they would have all these presentations of all the things that people did during the week and a lot of times they would if you earned like six merit badges during the week you know, they would award you those merit badges right then you didn't have to wait or anything like that and they would uh, also at the end of the ceremony they'd have the council of fire a guy would come out all decked out like an Indian and he would uh, uh, light an a arrow uh, with fire and he would shoot it out into the middle of the lake and there would be a like a funeral pyre, a pile or a, a, a big uh, a bonfire out there and it would go out there and light up that uh, that fire. He'd shoot it out there and it would hit in the midst of the, the fire pit out there and it would cause a, a big f- a bonfire out in the middle of the lake. And then after he did that, they would have uh, they would call out the names of all the young men, young scouts that uh, were voted upon by the the troop uh, that they belonged to as being in the order of the arrow. And so uh, those were young scouts that had uh, exhibited leadership and maturity and growth and and all that kind of thing. And so you were tapped out. They would uh, they would come. Uh, the leaders of the order of the air would come in the midst of the the council of fire, and they would uh, tap you on the shoulder. Uh, they'd they'd hit you really hard. Bam, bam, bam on your shoulder. And that meant you were supposed to get up and follow them and stand in front of everybody. And then at the end, you were to turn, put your hand on the guy, uh, guy's shoulder in front of you, and they would lead you out. And they would. what you had to do is uh, you had nothing with you except for what you were wearing uh, at the Council of Fire. And they would take you out into the middle of the woods and you had to spend the night they drop us off one at a time all through along a pathway and you had to spend the night in the woods by yourself uh, no no uh, knife no matches nothing uh, you had to just stay there that night and they'd come and collect you and then you and you, you couldn't say anything you couldn't uh, do anything and for whatever reason I um, I didn't have uh, I think I was wearing contacts at the time and I thought I might be selected so I didn't want to have contacts in all night long so I left my contacts off but I didn't, for whatever reason I didn't have my glasses. So it was pitch black. We were following the guy in front of us and I was glad that I had my hand on the guy's shoulder in front of me. I wouldn't have been able to see where I was going if I didn't. Um, It was pitch black. I had no glasses on, no contacts in. It was dark, dark, dark. The guy in the front, he had a lantern. He had a, a, a flashlight. He knew where he was going, but nobody else did. And we, we were just following blindly into the... I mean, we were so far away from everything. There was no light anywhere. We were so deep in the woods, couldn't see uh, the stars up there. Uh, well, I couldn't because I was half blind. But anyway, couldn't see the stars, couldn't, didn't know where I was going. There was no lights from the city or anything like that. It was pitch black. But that one flashlight that one guy had was able to see us through. The psalmist says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's dark in this world. 
Not only is God's Word important to us to show us where to go, but God's Word also illuminates our life so that we can uh, know what not just where to go, but we can know what's there. In the middle of the day, the next morning when we walked out, there was enough light we could see where we were going and things weren't scary or anything because we knew where we were stepping. We knew where our surroundings because we could see it. And the light enabled us to see the things that we feared during the night because we could see what it was. But during the midst of the night, in the middle of the night without a flashlight to to look around when we heard the owl hoot or when we heard a a weird uh, crackling of of some twigs out in the midst of the woods, we didn't uh, didn't know what was coming to get us and we didn't know who was going to try and sneak up behind us and scare us. We didn't know anything and we couldn't see. God's Word not only shows our pathway where we should go, but it also helps us to see and to the point where we're not fearful of anything that happens in our life. We're not fearful of the things that are around us. We're able to be prepared uh, for the things that are coming at us because God's Word eliminates our life. He helps us to see where we're going and helps us to know that He's there with us. Lastly, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is there to lift us up. It's for me. God doesn't need to illuminate our path. God doesn't need to show us where to go. It's for me. It is is for me to help me. Well, you say, well, that's... That's obvious because he says it's, it's my, my path, my way, me, my. But it, don't you understand, it, it implies that God is there with me. It implies that it's, it's there because God cares about me. God's Word is there because... God not only wants to direct my pathway so I know where I'm going, God not only wants to make sure that that I'm able to see and know the things that are happening are going to happen and not be fearful of those things, but it demonstrates God's presence in my life. It demonstrates God's love for me. It is a, uh, a it is the personification of God's presence in my life. Quick question. What is this? It's the Bible, yes. What do we call uh, the Bible? It's God's Word, right. So if I have God's Word hidden in my heart, then God's with me. God's direction is in my life. God's presence is with me because His wisdom is implanted into my life. God's, uh, God's presence is ever part of my life as long as I have God's Word in my life because not only is God's wisdom there for me, God, the presence of God has been bestowed upon me through His Word. What does John 1.1 say? Oh, come on. In the beginning was the Word. Word. And the Word was 
with God. And the Word, here's the important part, the Word was God. As long as we hide the Word of God within our life, we have the presence of God in us as well. Because Jesus Christ is the very presence of the Word of God. He's in us. He guides us. He illuminates our way. He helps us to feel His presence. It's kind of like if you've ever been separated by time and, and distance, one of the sweetest things that you can have is a message from home. We, we kind of forget about those kind of things because when we're away from each other, all we got to do is take out, the, out our cell phone and it doesn't matter where we are, what we're doing, we can reach out and connect with somebody in our life and our family and we can hear their voice and we can listen to them and we can talk. And it's almost like you can just get up and walk into the next room and they're there because we're able to discuss things. But in times of difficulty and struggle throughout history, one of the things that, that kept young men going in the midst of battle was a letter from home. One of the things that, that helped bridge the, the separation and the, and the aloneness of not being with, with, uh, with somebody you love was maybe a, a recording from the front lines of a cassette recording of, of a loved one that would send that home and, we could, and you could hear their voice, you could hear their words, and you could hear what they were saying to you, and it was almost like they were there with you. And yes, today even we have our version of it. It's live. It's not Memorex. It's live. We can pick up the phone and and we can talk to them. You can go almost anywhere in this world. If you believe what you see on TV, you can even be uh, on an airplane or out on a deserted island and still pick up a phone and call home and and talk to someone. But we we can do that And why do we do that, though? It's because it's like they're there with us when we hear them speak to us. When they share with us and and when we talk to them, it's it's like no matter how much time apart, no no matter how far the distance, it's as if they're there with you. God's Word is to help us to feel the presence of God. He is here with us. But many times we have a hard time listening and hearing. And so we read God's Word so we can know clearly what God is saying to us. It's hard to understand what we should do in our life and and how we should uh, approach something that's happening in our life. And so what do we do? We, We pick up God's Word and we hear what God wants us to do and to see the path that we should follow. When we're afraid about something is about to happen in our life, when we're fearful of, of, of the events that are going on, we pick up God's Word and read it, and it is a light into our path. What a wonderful thing to, to realize that we have all of that right here. And this has bridged the gap of 2,000 years or more. It's 2,000 years since Jesus. 4,000 years since Abraham many thousands of years since Adam 
And all of that is wrapped up in this one single book that we've that fills our life so much. And unfortunately, we set it aside. Let me ask a question, and this would hit home to young people. If you had if I was to tell you, take your cell phone and set it down and don't use it. It'd be almost like don't pay the, the bill. What happens when you don't pay the bill for your cell phone? Well, the cell phone company, they'll turn that sucker off until you pay it, right? They'll, they'll cut it off and, and they don't have any trouble at all with flipping the switch and turning it off. Getting it turned back on sometimes is a challenge. Setting your Bible aside and not using it, it's kind of like all the many wonderful things that you can do with a cell phone, just setting it aside and turning it off. Some of us wish that we could. But we eventually learn that we, oh, we need to have the convenience of calling people when, when we're stuck out on the side of the road and we've got a, uh, our car won't start or it's broke down. Or we find that we need to, to look up some information from time to time when we're not at home. And or we're lost and we're trying to find our way home and, and we need to use it for the GPS. It's, it's useful. It's, it's convenient. It's more than just a nuisance. It, it's, it's helpful sometimes. It can do a lot of things, but we have to have it and we have to have it on, right? If it's off, can't do any of those things. This is so much more useful. But when you set it aside, it can't help light your path. It can't show you the way. You can't feel the presence of God nearly as good as when you open it and you read it and allow it to permeate throughout your life. And you allow God to speak into your heart and life through it. We need to study God's Word so that it will be a, path, uh, a light into our path and a light into our feet. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we just thank You so much for Your Holy Word. It's so amazing that, that writers throughout all of history wrote about one subject, one topic, and You were able to use those writers to convey Your Word to change our pathway and direct our world and our life through Your Word. Lord, we pray that You would use Your Word in our life. Help us to, to meditate upon it. Lord, may we hide it within our heart that we might grow closer to You. In Jesus' name, Amen.